honey bees flying around, little green peas from the ground, buttermilk biscuits nice and brown. Bring it to Tennessee farm table, butter beans, peas, beets and chard, chickens running in the yard, catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to Tennessee farm table, cast on skillets, good and hot, watch it steam and crack and pop, cornbread bacon in that stove. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Pick them maters, good and ripe. Drop in black gang candy stripes. Look at 'em loading down those vines. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast, a show that is dedicated to the people of the state of Tennessee who produce, prepare, and preserve food and agriculture, often with that Mountain South Appalachian flair. And on occasion, I just might have a guest from our neighbors from surrounding states here in the Southeast. This is your hostess and producer, Amy Campbell. The theme song that you just heard was sung and produced by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine. She's from Madisonville, Tennessee. Today, we are setting the table with family farming. In this episode, we visit with Mike and Tammy Zavells of Zavells Family Farms, located in Coryton, Tennessee. This is a very successful family farm in the eastern region of Tennessee. They'll let us know how they got into farming and how the family has grown and the diversity of farm products that they produce from their land. They also give us some really good advice to those of us contemplating a life of farming for a living. In Fred Sossman's Potluck Radio series, he features one of Tennessee's oldest restaurants in continuous operation, Zarzor's of Chattanooga. Thank you so much for your good company here today. I really appreciate your tuning in. Zavell's Family Farms began in the early 1970s as a registered Angus cattle farm owned and operated by Mose and Nell Zavell's and originally consisted of 95 acres. The second generation to farm this land is Mike and Tammy Zavell's, who we visit with today. They began full-time farming in 1982 and have added to the farm product mix ever since, which now encompasses 300 acres. The third generation Zavells are Lindsay, Zach, and Charlie. We'll hear more about this third generation a little later in the show. We are extremely diversified, so we do a whole <laughs> lot of different things. And uh, we have lumber available all the time, walnut, cedar, cherry, about any type of domestic wood. We saw a lot of different things in the sawmill. We also have straw and hay. Most of the year, we're out of straw right now, but we do sell to several different landscapers, and individuals can come out too. And we do deliver hay. We sell round bales and square bales both. We do a lot of that. Uh, as far as produce-wise goes, pretty much anything you can name on produce, that can be 
grown in East Tennessee, we try to grow it. We specialize a lot in peppers, eggplant, and then in the wintertime, we kind of switch over to wintertime crops, but we grow most of those inside. We still do a lot of kale, collards, spinach, lettuce, beets, onions, garlic. So we have a lot of different things going on year-round on that. And then on meat items, we have beef pork and lamb. We raise all our own animals. They're all antibiotic, steroid-free. They are USDA inspected. We have a USDA meat license to sell retail meat. So everything is vacuum-packed, frozen. At our house now, we're doing uh, Meat Mondays. Tammy's the big meat vendor on Mondays, and then it's available at about all the markets. Occasionally, we'll run out of certain items, the more popular things. Of course, fillets and ribeyes go really quick. Um, Lamb, we don't raise as many lambs as really what the market demands, and they are actually the hardest thing to raise of any of our animals because they start out so small. Little lambs are like five pounds starting out. So you're really got something tender outside, but uh, we do raise lambs and the pigs as well and uh, try to have everything processed and available as often as possible. Again, you know, we run out of certain things at certain times, but most customers understand that. They say, you know, well, the demand's definitely there. And people seem like they really want to know where it comes from. And mm-hmm. I mean, we've had a lot of people, you know, say, did you actually grow this? And yeah, yeah, we grew it. It was picked this morning. We don't have a big cooler, so we don't pick stuff a week in advance and store it in a commercial cooler and haul it to you two weeks later. It's picked usually the morning of or the night before we're selling it. So it's definitely fresh. I, I always laugh about stuff in the grocery store. They talk about how fresh it is, and most of it's set in a cooler for one to two weeks before they even stick it on the shelf, and then it's there another week before you get it and go home with it. And I know the grocery store operators cringe when I say something like that, but, I mean, the truth is the truth. We can Mm -hmm. have it, you know, to you within four hours of being picked or less. (laughs) You can't beat that. Yeah. It's kind of like a canned peach and a fresh peach. Stale kale that's all rubbery and not very tasty or crispy fresh kale yeah no wonder a lot of people don't like kale if they haven't had real good fresh yeah. kale y'all seem to grow the stew out of dino kale <laughs> yeah we do a lot of dinosaur kale and swiss chard too everybody seems to really like that it's mm-hmm. it's a good fresh item and uh, a lot of the leafy greens really do well in the winter time mm-hmm. uh, we do several types of kale we do a red kale dinosaur kale curly green kale so we've got a big variety all the time well, and also, this past summer, I bought the best little jar of raspberry jam. Oh, <laughs> did Tammy you. make that? Tammy did make that. That's one thing I enjoy doing. I've always loved a can. And I found out about four or five years ago that I really like to make jam. And it's like my stress relief. I'll make the jam, and I usually listen to this lady I know that does a Bible study. And I'll be listening to her Bible study while I'm making the jam. And it's just like my little happy place, and I enjoy it. I mean, and it... Uh, mostly what I use the money for when I make the jam is we like to go to Belize on mission trips and I like to pay for my own tickets. I feel like I paid my way to get to do that. It wasn't depending on him or somebody else. So it's, it's a big circle, but it's fun. I love it. I try to make the raspberry, the strawberry, mixed berry, blackberry, and blueberry and peach. It's so good. Thank you. Do y'all sell to restaurants and places We like do that? have several restaurants. Zach has a restaurant route. He runs on Wednesdays deliveries for us. And it's taken us several years to get a restaurant list up. And yeah. he, he corresponds directly with the chefs. And most of them are white tablecloth places. We have some that are just general mom-and-pop restaurants that want to order some good, fresh things and up their menu. So 
I don't know if this would be this way, but it seems like if you had a good, solid restaurant that you could get more guaranteed sales. You can. The, the problem with it is you've got so many local vendors that import everything that they're selling, and it's not really locally grown, and mm-hmm. they sell it so cheap. Uh, I mean, we're not in business to provide a cheap product. We're in business to provide the best product we can, but we also have to sell it at a fair price where we can stay in business. And there's stuff coming in from Mexico and all over the country that is just sold way below what it cost us to produce it. And uh, I mean, that's awful. They've got good, clear, sunny weather, and right now we're heating with propane. Mm-hmm. It's expensive, so mm-hmm. it just costs a lot to grow, especially indoor growing in the winter time. It's it's more expensive to do it, but I uh, feel like we produce a really good product. And You do. you got a good name. Yeah. We try to charge a fair price for it, but mm-hmm. some people just don't want to pay a fair price, really. They just are looking for price only, not quality. Yeah. Now, you mentioned eggplant, and it just seems like y'all are just crazy about growing eggplant. Is that one of y'all's favorites to grow? Uh, it was one of mine for a long, long time. Uh, the boys always fussed because eggplant was not a huge seller, and we would grow so many different varieties. I think we had 30-something different varieties one year, and they finally said, I think enough is enough. But it is a beautiful plant. I love to see the uh, eggplants hanging on the plants themselves. They have so much color and so much variety, and... Uh, we do cook quite a bit of it, too. We like it. And mm-hmm. there's, it's supposedly the world's most versatile vegetable. If people would do a little research and see all the different ways of fixing it, I think it would be a lot more popular. Mm-hmm. It's more of an ethnic dish as far as making a lot of different things. Baba ganoush and grilled eggplant. There's so many different things you can do with it. But, yeah, I do really enjoy raising it and peppers as well. We like both those. They're, they're big varieties in both color-wise and texture and taste. Is there a pepper y'all like to eat the most? Do you have oh, some favorites? Gosh. <laughs> oh, this, like- the last couple of years, it's actually become the shishito pepper, uh-huh. which we hadn't raised them until about three years ago. And, uh, they're the hot thing on the market. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're, everybody seems to really like them. They uh, have so much variety in them. One out of ten has some heat. And the rest, you never and know always, when you're going to get the surprise. If I eat it, I get the hot one. They all sit there and never get the hot one. I get the hot one. <laughs> But I like them. We just do a little stir fry with them in some olive oil and then squeeze some lemon or lime juice over them, a little sea salt, and we just eat them like an hors d'oeuvre. I mean, they're really good. I, I, I love to eat those. That's probably my favorite pepper as far as taste and texture goes. Boy, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. And so good for you. Yeah, they are. They're really high in vitamin C, and they're good. Mm-hmm. You are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. And we are visiting today with Mike and Tammy Zavells of Zavells Family Farms, located in Coryton, Tennessee. And we'll take a quick break right here, and I wanted to let you know about a neat thing coming up. When we come back, we'll join back up with Mike and Tammy. The Great Smoky Mountains Heritage Center, located in Townsend, Tennessee, presents the second annual Taste of the Smokies. This is a ticketed annual event benefiting the Great Smoky Mountains Heritage Center with regional food, music, and history. Guests see what's current, new, and on the drawing board at the Great Smoky Mountains Heritage Center with living history demonstrators, galleries, the Appalachian Village, artfully prepared food and drink, from local restaurants known for their Appalachian-inspired dishes, and a concert from the Driftwood Cowboys. 
This event takes place on Saturday, June 3rd at 4.30 at the Great Smoky Mountains Heritage Center located in Townsend, Tennessee. Must be 21 or over to enjoy drinks at the Smokies. More information and tickets, gsmheritagecenter.org. And I placed a link to this at my website, tennesseefarntable.com. In the second part of our interview, I asked them both for some sober advice on farming and some of the pitfalls to consider in this line of work. Mike and Tammy have three grown children and two grandchildren. They are all involved in this farm, and we'll hear about their roles that they've settled into. And a little note that the Zavell's family farm does not underwrite with this show. Tammy, what's the biggest piece of wisdom you could give to a young farmer starting out? A young farmer or a young farmer's wife? I'll go with the young farmer's wife. Yes. To realize it's not a nine-to-five job. It takes 12, 16 hours, and at the beginning, it's going to probably be seven days a week. And so if you're marrying this guy and he's going to be a farmer, he's not going to be home a whole lot to be with you and the kids, okay? You're going to have a, do a lot of that yourself. And then to realize that it's not the most glamorous job. Like, I never will forget, I was somewhere and somebody said, what does your husband do or what do you do? I said, well, he farms. They're like, his eyes were like, are you crazy or what? It's not the most glamorous job. I've had people say, well, he's a dumb farmer. You know, they're not a dumb farmer because you got to be smart enough to know how to do it. And then you got to be smart enough to work on all the machinery and everything because you can't afford to take it all someplace and have it repaired and fixed and everything. So they're pretty smart. But just realize that other people may not feel that way. You may realize how smart the farmer is and how hard the job is. Other people just don't see it that way. But definitely it's just not a nine-to-five job. And also, what we talked about earlier, you've got to have the faith in God. You've got to have God to rely on because you're not going to make it on your own. And it's very expensive. And, you know, be prepared for all the things that are going to happen. Of course, you can't be prepared for everything, but just know that all kinds of things are out there that's going to happen. And you just got to get up the next day and go again. And have that faith. Yeah. If you don't have faith, forget it. That's really good wisdom. Mike, what's your biggest chunk of wisdom to a young farmer starting out? Shoo, <laughs> that's a tough one. <laughs> I would say you've got to realize you're going to have two wives, the one you're married to and you're married to your farm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you really are. It's, it, mm-hmm. it is a 24-hour-a-day job. You never know when something's going to go wrong in the middle of the night. It might be in the middle of the afternoon. Uh, and you can bet if it's your anniversary or Christmas Day, the cows are going to get out and tear yeah. up the fences. <laughs> it's like they know when it's a vacation day or a day that you want to quit early or go somewhere and something will invariably go wrong then. Uh, the other thing I would say is plan on spending a whole lot more money than you ever imagined it could cost in order to farm. Things are just astronomically expensive I mean tractors parts equipment uh, land we had lightning run in on a well and burned up a five thousand dollar electronic box it wasn't actually lightning it was a power surge from the utility company but they said oh we're not liable for it because lightning might have hit it and oh, no. just things like that constantly a power steering pump was out on a tractor it was fourteen hundred dollars I mean everything is so so high and all this stuff can happen in just a day's time. You never know uh, the big expenses. Then you have land taxes, and you're buying fuel and tires and vehicles, and it just goes on and on. It's unlimited expense 
on the stuff. Now, it does have its rewards if you're willing to work hard. And, you know, it's a lot of hours, a lot of physical labor. You can't hire it done. You've got to do it yourself or have family that will work with you and help you do it because there's just no way to hire enough people and justify. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can spend every penny you're literally bringing in on expense if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. That'd probably be my biggest advice to somebody that's really thinking about starting out as it. If you've got a good, well-paying job in town and you're happy with working eight hours a day, stick with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And y'all have been duking it out in this farming business for years now. Yeah, it's been a long time. And yes. something always manages to go wrong that you don't expect. I don't want to be a pessimist on it, but I mean, we've had literally wells go out, tractors tear up. It's all in one week, uh, animals don't do well, and you just never know what's going to happen the next day. The other night, the coldest night that we've had of this year, the uh, one of the furnaces, furnaces went out in, in our the high tunnel, and it was just like, and he's got it all planted, all these crops mm-hmm. in there, all getting ready to take to market, and it's like you know they can't get real cold because it's just going to kill them all. You know they're going to be was dead. Six degrees that night. We went over there the <laughs> next morning, and I opened the door, which I thought I was going to open. It was frozen shut, and I thought, oh, oh I've got man. real problems. So we got in. Finally, took a backpack sprayer with water and sprayed the ice off of everything because we've learned you can save a crop by spraying water on it. it It'll thaw really quick, and it doesn't do as much damage. And actually saved everything in that tunnel, even though it was glazed with ice. It was pretty miraculous. Got the furnace back going, and uh, had a guy come and help me work on that, and which was a real blessing because he came out when it was six-degree weather and got it running again. But uh, you just never know when something's going to go off. And uh, we live five miles from where the high tunnels are on a separate farm. And by the time I got up there and realized what had happened, it was really too late. But again, the Lord came through and thawed it out for me. So <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah, everything's going good. And that'll be spring, early spring crops that we've got going inside there. When you said, I don't want to be a pessimist, I don't think it's being pessimistic. I think it's being realistic. What real life is farming for a living. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if people want to do this, they need to realize that it's not all plant the seeds and they grow and I'm going to take it and sell it and do this. There's a whole lot more to it. Sure is. Flea beetles, white flies. The the list is just uh, immense. It goes on and again, you don't know what it's going to be next week or even tomorrow or even today. And then you have the big animals. You have the deers and the raccoons. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just looking for a good meal. Yeah, Yeah, we're hungry too. They all want to feed off of us. All those tender little plants and things. When we first met, your boys were pretty small, and now they're grown and married. They are. And your daughter, I'd see her from time to time. Yeah. And uh, she's all grown and married. And do you mind to tell me, you've got Zach, Charlie, and Lindsay. Correct. And uh, so what is Zach doing now? Zach's working with me full-time on the farm. He, 2015, graduated from Carson Newman. He actually has got a degree in at, outdoor recreation. He turned out to be the number one knot tire on tying down loads of hay with ropes. He always laughs. He said, Dad, that was pretty expensive education, so I can tie down a load of hay. But said, well, we're not losing it on the road, so that's good. 
but he is farming with me full time. He runs a sawmill some. He is real active in the farming. He runs most of our Facebook page yeah, social media. and social media for us. So a lot of times people think they're talking to me when they're texting back and forth. It's really Zach picking up the calls and he just becomes dad at the time. Because our Facebook says Michael Savelle's because Facebook made us put a name in there and his name is Michael Zachary. So it's really his name. Yeah. His name is Michael. So, you know, it's, but everybody thinks they're talking to him, but they're really talking to Zach. And his wife, Logan, actually uh, goes to market with Tammy several days a week. Uh, we were doing six or seven markets a week, actually, for a while. We've cut down now to uh, three on Saturday, one on Tuesday, one on Wednesday. So five a week now. And then we also do the winter markets, one in Oak Ridge, and then one at, it was normally Market Square, but this year it's been moved behind the Coliseum to Mary Costa Plaza. Charlie runs the market up there on Saturday, and he's actually done that since... He, he was, got his driver's license. Yeah, since he was 16 years old. So he's been there a long time and built up a lot of... Yeah, he's 25 now, so yeah. It was funny. The first Saturday he got his driver's license, he went to market. <laughs> most most kids would be uh, running to go get beer and all that. He's yeah. gone to the farmer's went to market. market. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's grown up at the market. He really has. Uh, when That's they were little, him and Zach used to go with me to Oak Ridge, and they'd stand up in the bed of the truck and hand out corn and bag corn, and uh, they'd have the little overalls on, and everybody said, oh, they just look so cute. So I guess they were a good marketing <laughs> ploy for us at the time. Zach's kind of capitalized on that recently. They have a son now, Boone, Michael Boone. He's about a year old, almost a year old. Be a year old in February. He's been going to market with them, so Logan and him. And, and what's Charlie's wife's name? Is it Stevie? Stevie, yeah. She actually does the markets with Charlie. Charlie on Saturday as well. So she's at Market Square or Mary Costa Plaza, depending on where the market's located at. And she does our webpage. Yeah, she does her webpage. It's and, beautiful. And then Lindsay, is she a wedding planner? She is. Wedding she does event planner. events and weddings both. Uh, she loves to do events. And then she does some home interior designs as well. And Now they've got a cute little baby, don't they? They do. Kenley. Kenley, oh, yeah. She'll be four this year. She's, oh my goodness. I always tell her she's my favorite granddaughter. She says, Paps, I'm your only granddaughter <laughs> she says well I guess Boone's your favorite grandson <laughs> well, yeah <laughs> but yeah we really enjoy spending time with them and there and they're actually building a house on our property right, right next door to us you can, you can see, see out the, the window from us <laughs> Does uh, Zach or Charlie also do a CSA? Zach did a CSA for two or three years, uh-huh. and uh, the delivery got to be so extensive on it. Uh-huh. It was actually taking more than a day just to try to run around and get deliveries done, yeah. and we were burning a huge amount of fuel in doing it. So we finally discontinued that, and most of the customers that were buying through the CSAs are still coming to market and getting things for us. So it's worked out okay. Charlie got his degree actually in ag. He actually went to UT and got an yeah. ag degree. So he's one that's actually <laughs> using his degree. Because yeah. I'm the teacher that's not using my degree. He's anthropology, not using yeah. his. So. They're yeah. such nice kids, and I'm so proud of your family and your yeah. grandbabies. Appreciate it. Well, it's, yeah. a, it's a real treat, and we all are up here. Like Friday nights, we kind of make a tradition of all gathering at our house, and we do dinner Friday nights. So everybody comes up on Friday nights. We've usually already loaded trailers and trucks for Saturday morning because we've got three markets most of the time through the market season on Saturday. So we'll all eat together Friday night and then everybody splits up and we're back up at five o'clock in the morning, Saturday morning to go to market, <laughs> go to market, get everything loaded. <laughs> what a good tradition to 
that Friday night get focused, yeah. you know, and all stay together. It is. It's and just neat because I get to see them all, and they're all, yes. and like the table, you know, he made the table, so we got to use the table, you know. That's so wonderful. Yeah. Now, it, which one made that table? Zach. Zach, yeah. it's beautiful. It's maple. We saw it on the sawmill, and it's kind of neat when you cut the tree and see the lumber and mm-hmm. dry it and have a finished product from it important is that to be able to process that lumber right here on your land uh, it's a big deal for us i mean yeah. we have fixed literally hundreds of projects with our own wood we constantly build on fences outbuildings sheds uh, barn repair mm-hmm. a lot of the lumber on our house we built five years ago is stuff that we sawed ourselves. we've got cedar decking and sassafras porches and all kinds of things that we could do ourselves. All the stone on our house we picked up off of one of our farms and dug it with an old backhoe that I've got. And the boys fussed the entire time. We figured <laughs> we were close to 30 tons of stone on this house that we picked up every rock. And I say we, and they say, no, it wasn't we, it was me. <laughs> so, they don't they, remember that at all. Oh, they? no, I, I hear about it all the time. Charlie start threatens Zach about it. If I build another house, I'm going to get some of that same rock like Dad used. He said, well, I don't know who's going to help you pick it up. <laughs> so, you know he's going to be doing the same thing oh, yeah. with his children, and and uh, they're yeah. all going to go through it. They well, do. that's like the table. Since they built me a table, well, when Zach got married, he had to build his wife Logan a table. And then when Charlie got married, he had to build his wife Stevie a table. And Lindsay's already said, when my house is finished, y'all are building me one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's it's the heartbeat of the house. Yeah. That, that dining yeah. table. Because everybody can sit there and talk and just, yeah. Mm, it's wonderful. Mm. Tammy, do you have a favorite go-to kind of cold weather recipe that you like to cook? Probably roasted vegetables. Mm. I love to take the squash and the sweet potatoes and the beets and some onions and walnuts and some balsamic vinegar and garlic and olive oil and put it in a pan and roast it. That is one of my favorites. But I think my favorite food is probably the um, acorn squash. Because you can make it sweet if you put the brown sugar and the butter with it, or you can make it salty and savory if you put the olive oil and all that with it. So yeah, that would be my winter time. I love Summertime those. is fried green tomatoes. Who doesn't love <laughs> fried green tomatoes? <laughs> the people listening might see acorn squash but not know what to do with it. How would you cook it? Okay, because I have rheumatoid arthritis, my first thing I do is I punch holes in it and put it in the microwave for like. 30 seconds to a minute to get it soft so I can cut it in half because I have trouble cutting the hard things. Any of your squashes like that. Then you take the seeds out of the center. And if I want a sweet, I'm going to put brown sugar and butter and a little bit of honey and a little bit of cinnamon and I'm going to bake it in the oven like that. If I want it the other way, the savory and the salty like, you take it and slice it into real thin slices Uh and lay it on a baking sheet and drizzle um, balsamic vinegar garlic salt and olive oil on it and roast it better. so it's according to which way you want it you are listening to the tennessee farm table podcast and broadcast and we've been visiting today with mike and tammy zavells of zavells family farms located in Coryton, tennessee more information zavells family farms Dot com and by Facebook or Instagram. And again, they do not underwrite this show. 
I've placed an image of Mike and Tammy Zavell's that I photographed in their home at their dining table, which was made by their son, Zach, from timber that was cut and milled right off their farm. Every Friday, the whole family gathers and shares a meal at this table. That picture, the podcast of the show, and links to Zavell's family farms and the markets where you can find them, and also Fred Sossman's link, are all on one handy page at TennesseeFarmTable.com. Up next is Fred Sossman's Potluck Radio Series. Fred is a senior writer and associate professor of Appalachian Studies at East Tennessee State University. He's also the news director at WETS in Johnson City and the author of numerous books about regional foodways, such as Ramps, Sorghum, and his latest, The Prophets of Ridgewood, all about Ridgewood Barbecue. Today, he features one of Tennessee's oldest restaurants in continuous operation, Zarzor's of Chattanooga. This is Potluck Radio. I'm Fred Sossman. Zarzor's in Chattanooga is one of Tennessee's very oldest restaurants. Charlie Zarzor, an immigrant from the Middle East, opened it in 1918, the year that Spanish flu killed his wife, Nazira. The late Shirley Fuller was their granddaughter. He never remarried. He raised his family alone. He was wonderful, happy, loved everybody. Several years ago, Shirley took me on a tour of the restaurant. This was my Uncle George's ham radio shop. He lived here with my Aunt Rose and my father. I guess my favorite picture is um, of my grandfather. That's my daddy and his two brothers. And it looks like at Christmas time because there were boxes of fruit. Like, that's when people used to have fruit stands outside. This is my wedding reception held here. At home, the Zarzur family serves Middle Eastern kibbe, stuffed squash, and tabbouleh salad. But at the restaurant, the menu is mostly Southern. What we sell every day, the most of it, is turnip greens, and our entrees change. We have an open-faced roast beef on Friday and fried flounder on Friday. Tuesday is usually baked spaghetti with a good cheese on it. We're famous for our cornbread cooked in an iron skillet. The real southern food. And people, when they come through that door, feel the warmth in here. There's so much history here. Shirley Fuller died in 2015, but Zarzur's continues, run by Shirley's son Joe and daughter-in-law Shannon. For Potluck Radio in Chattanooga, Tennessee, I'm Fred Sausman. Thank you so much for joining us here today at the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. It has been an honor to have your good company. We always love to hear from you on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or through the website, TennesseeFarmTable.com. I'd sure love to hear from you and swap some recipes and stories. Big thanks to Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee, for the musical arrangement and singing and recording of our theme song, for updated appearances, schedule, news, and her new recording. Connect with Emmy Sunshine at TheEmmySunshine.com. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.